Hey everybody, welcome to the Simplicity and Performance Podcast. I'm your host, Josh McAllister. My hope in starting this podcast is to learn more about the people involved, the people who are working every single day to help teams be successful in the United States. Uh, This ranges from the youth level to the collegiate level to the professional level on both the men's and women's side of the sport. I, I hope to learn more about how these people deal with the challenges, how they deal with the failures that they might have in their careers, but also how they take the successes in stride. In addition, I'd I'd love to learn more about the people that helped influence the professionals in our country and how they've influenced them, what made them grow in the ways that they've they've achieved it so far in their careers. Uh, Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast and let's get started. Welcome back, everybody. Really excited for today's episode because it is my first guest who works full-time on the women's side. And I, I, I hope people, as we progress through this, will understand that I value the men's game and the women's game on the same level. I think they're both incredibly important to this country and in the sport of soccer. And I've wanted to get somebody on the women's side on here uh, pretty bad. So I'm very excited. Uh, our guest today is originally from Kansas, played a, a season of college soccer at Drake University before transferring to BYU to finish his studies. At BYU, ended up being an assistant coach and an associate head coach before taking his first head coaching role uh, at the university level at Gonzaga in 2017. Today's guest is Chris Watkins. Chris, how are you doing? Josh, good. Thanks for having me. It's a nice introduction. <laughs> <laughs> good, man. Good. I, I get nervous about those sometimes because I, I don't want to miss something that people care about or accidentally say somebody is from the wrong. I had a player on recently who I, I said he was from Minnesota. He goes, oh, no, I was born in Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, <laughs> so I, I didn't screw anything up, did I? Well, I, I coached on the men's side. I was a PDL coach oh. for 12 years and club coach at BYU for a long time. So at BYU, I was actually doing both men's and women's soccer. Oh, good, good. You deserve the, the credit for that. because That's a full-time gig right there. Well, Chris, please to start us off, just kind of explain, you know, where you're at, what you do at Gonzaga, and just a little bit about the, the program and the time you've been there. Yeah. Um, been at Gonzaga since 2017, um, had been at BYU for 20 years on the women's side and 21 years on the men's side of coaching. So it was, it was really just kind of grew up in Utah. Soccer was really um, not much of a sport when I showed up in 1989 in, in, in Utah. And so there was just great opportunity. I was a young guy who needed to make some money and there was a little bit of money in coaching ODP little bit of money coaching the club teams at UVU and at BYU at the time and I was just trying to you know trying to stay afloat my folks you know didn't have much money to to help me through college so when I gave up my scholarship at at Drake University I had no way to pay for anything and so soccer became my outlet and there wasn't enough money and for the old Salt Lake Sting and, and Flamingo was the team that came after that and Utah Blitz after that there was no money in playing soccer back then and so I could make a thousand bucks coaching this team for a spring and 2000 bucks coaching that team. And so it all kind of just pieced together um, and, and built nicely to this point. Hmm, that's great, man. That's great. Well, you kind of alluded to your path and your journey along, along your path. Has there ever been just an obstacle that kind of stands out that almost was a moment in your, your career, your life where you knew you had to react in a certain way and overcome it if you wanted to keep going in the direction that you, you had in mind at the time. Yeah. 
It's been a while, but in 2000, I mean, I've had plenty of challenges. Uh, just as we were getting to chat before this call, we got a little challenge in the office today. But um, but a big challenge I had, uh, I think it was 2002, uh, our, our men's team at BYU, uh, our women, I think, had won six, you know, whack championships at the time. I was coaching the men, too, and that was a very part-time job. But um, we had won four collegiate club national championships in a row and life was easy. And I thought I was the greatest coach in the world. And, and lots of people in the community too, did too, because we had these huge camps and life was good. And so we thought we're going to go from the club level. We're going to go to the PDL. We're going to pay this franchise fee and had lots of good donors who paid this franchise fee and came up with all the money to travel in the PDL from Utah to everywhere. Um, and we did that first year. We thought we were pretty good. <laughs> and we won our first game against a fellow expansion team at a Reno um home game we won that game and I just thought this is life's perfect like I must be a great coach because everything everywhere we go we're winning BYU is a great place because we just win and da, 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 da. we went on to lose 15 games in a row after that and and frankly I'm not sure we were close in in more than just a couple of them we were just getting killed by guys you know you know you know the PDL that level is a great level and most of those teams are are better than than college you know teams and so we had played exhibitions against d1s and done pretty well but certainly weren't winning them all but done pretty well but we just had our butts handed to us week after week after week it was like the worst summer in the world and we finished the season 215 and one um we tied like our third to the last game and we won our last game home game and at the time i thought not only was I a complete idiot, I thought everybody on our team was, and surely they all thought I was. We just really questioned ourselves uh, throughout the summer and we kind of put it together there at the end. I don't even remember who we beat, but it wasn't the Reno team um, that was kind of the other easy game in our conference. Um, but we gradually put ourselves back together and we won our last game of the season. So we won our first and last game of an 18 game season and the ups and downs and mostly downs and trying to pull ourselves up was the adventure that uh, I'll never forget. And I hope I never have to go through again, but most coaches can tell a story that, of similar fashion. It's, it's, it's tough. I don't miss it. Well, how, how as a coach do you bounce back from something like that where you've been successful, but then you have a, a really rotten year where things just, you're just not finding the results on the field. How do you bounce back? And, probably how do you regain some of the confidence you probably lost yeah you said the word confidence it's it's all about confidence soccer i was just talking to somebody a few minutes ago and we were talking about how how this team that we're, we both follow has been losing just one goal games playing well losing one goal games and it's just that moment it's 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 10 seconds or, or a half a second or a tenth of a second of a letdown and there's a loss. You go from, if you could have been that much sharper on the other end, you have a win and life seems great. And, and you know, there's there's ice cream at, at dinner to, to just a bunch of pizzas piled up uh, at, at the door when you check back into the hotel because coaches are mad. And, and, you know, it's the worst thing in the world. The difference is so small. So you ask the question, how do you, you know, how do we get past that? I, I don't know that I'm the best to answer that but I do feel like I've been through that mini grinder almost every season. You know, we're not, we're not conference champs here at Gonzaga and never have been uh, in the 36 years, never been close of Gonzaga history. So, so we have to work our way up and we have to be able to, to figure out 
how to get out of, of challenging situations. We're not always the most talented. And so how do we overcome that? And how do we, if we do lose, how do we bounce back the day after? And I would, I would say two things, and I'll, I'll probably say this a few times today, but when you have good relationships on the team, and, and if you have a few people, hopefully just a few, and this is a bigger challenge on the women's side than the men's side, who are steady performers and that they believe and know exactly who they are on the field. You can lean on those people in the tough times and they can pick the whole team up. But as a coach, you have to have the confidence and you have to, you have to read the room well enough to make sure you are having practices that people want to be at as often as possible. When that happens, I think you can dig your way out of a bad loss or a series of bad losses eventually. Um, but if you don't have the relationships, it's, it becomes really hard. And I've had teams where I've had good, better relationships than others. I would say, I would say that's almost as important, if not as important as steady, consistent confidence within your, within your top players. Mm-hmm. That's a nice transition into um, my next talking point. You know, as the head coach of a, a school like Gonzaga, you know, trying to progress every year, trying to compete, trying to, you know, win the conference, maybe get into the NCAA tournament. Can you separate your success as a head coach from the team's success? Or is that something that's just synonymous? If the team's successful, I feel like I did a good job. But if the team's not successful, can you still do a good job? Is, is that possible? So I want to be that guy that finds a way and does that. And, I, and I'm sure there's a lot of people who can. I, I probably can't. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wish I could. I think it would be healthier for me if I could. But I, frankly, I don't think I can. And I don't think that's good for a team. I think a better coach could do that. Um, but frankly, I, I don't know that I've ever been able to separate. Um, I, I take a lot of responsibility for a loss. Um, and so I'm not sure I, I've been able to separate that in the past, frankly. Well, I think that's the role of a coach. I, you know, during doing this podcast, I've spoken to support staff, coaches, uh, executives, players. And it's really interesting to ask this question because I've asked players this question and they can't separate it, um, which is interesting because, you know, as my, my last interviewer I just did with somebody, they talked about how players usually, this is kind of how they grew as a, into a coach. They're a player, then they went to be a coach. He talked about how I was a very um, uh, selfish as a player and I didn't even know it. It's like, I wasn't a bad guy, but I always kind of looked at, oh, I played pretty well. I did my job. I... I was organized. I, I put the right balls in. The issues were, you know, there's a mistake over there and over there. But then he goes, now I'm a coach and I can't do that anymore. He goes, even if I wanted to, it's it's impossible for me. Right. So, yeah, it's interesting. Makes sense. It's I don't know that it's, it's healthy, but it, I think it's the reality for most coaches. Yeah. Do you, you know, for you as a head coach, when simple question, it's not, it's a simple question, but it's just not easy to answer. What is success for you? Is it all weighed in trophies and wins or is there a developmental piece or is there a culture piece, relationship piece? For you as the head coach of Gonzaga, how do you, how do you measure success and then how do you obtain it? So I, same thing. I think there's a lot of people with better answers than me. I've, I've been in the business now for a long time and I don't know. First of all, I I enjoy the relationship part of it. That's probably why I enjoy the women's side of it, uh, of the game so much is because the players on the women's side do enjoy the relationships uh, a little bit more than the men. 
relationships within the team and with their coaches and the, and the, and the staff. That's more important, in my opinion, on the women's side than it is on the men. And that makes it more enjoyable uh, for me. So I, I think that's a big part of, of how and why you can plug through those tough times, how and why you can, um, you can enjoy your job even in those, even in those tougher moments. But it, it's difficult to separate anything from your win-loss record. And, and frankly, I'm not sure I can. Yeah, that's good. It's an honest answer. And I think that's uh, what people need to hear is you can do all the right things, but as a head coach, if the team's not winning games, it still hits you hard. Yeah, it does. I, I'm, I'm, there's a situation literally today that's on the front of my mind of someone who, who's a great coach and a great person. And that column didn't add up correctly and he's out of a job and it's, painful because mm-hmm. you know I, I out of the 339 division one women's coaches i don't know all of them by any stretch but i could name five who i thought would retire on their own terms for sure five so it's just a tough business mm-hmm. it's, it's life and it's not as pretty as as you want it to be but um it can be gratifying when you lean on other things besides wins and losses and that's what i'm trying to do as I get older and, and enjoy those a little bit more. That's well, it's a good segue. When you started coaching, you know, 20 plus years ago in Utah to now, has your um, idea of success changed over that time? I think for me, I take a lot of pride and I'll, I'll tell a quick story. Um, our assistant coach here, one of our assistant coaches, Lexi um, Brown, she puts together these videos that we watch in our pregame and um, every week it's a little bit different but mostly it's highlights of effort and maybe some tactical stuff that went well from the previous game or practice but our last game she put together this this kind of who's who of our previous you know three years here at Gonzaga who's who and, and some words that they had to say about their experience here at Gonzaga their time on the field off the field and in the office with us coaches they just talked for a minute or so each on this video. And it was when I was, when I was 25 and 30 and maybe even 35, I would have looked at that video saying, that's cool, but probably not the day, the day of a game, you know, what, what does this have to do with anything? And as I hopefully get a little bit more wise, I recognize that that is, that's it. That having our whole team, see other people, people they've heard about, appreciate their time here, helps these people in their chair appreciate and love the time they have as they sit in our locker room. And that does get them ready for the game because they come in with pride. They come into to the game with the pride and the, the knowledge that the, it's a little bit bigger than themselves for sure, but it's not just about them. It takes them away from just them. It takes me, it took me in that room away from just how do we get a win today? It took me from, from that mode as I sat down in this little back of the locker room space to a uh, holy cow I'm grateful to know these people in this video and what a great experience it's been here uh, here at Gonzaga the last three years so perspective is important it helps me but at the end of the day um, it's it's probably about wins and losses and I'm not sure if those girls in that video would have had such a good time if we didn't have winning records I don't know I hope to not know ever someday uh, hopefully never have a losing record but um, that's not generally how this business goes. Yeah, for sure. Well, 
looking at you, you know, as a coach and as a person over your, over your career, you know, you've probably addressed areas you need to improve areas you need to grow. And, and hopefully, you know, the, the best ones keep doing that year upon year. Okay. This is, this is where I'm at right now. Here's where I can take the next steps. Currently where you're at Gonzaga, a highly experienced coach, you know, doing, doing a good job every year. You guys are progressing. I follow how you guys do every season. You know, you're working your, yourself up the, the conference table. Where can you still get better? Where can you still grow? So we have a lot of room to grow. Um, my first year here, we were we won ten games, which was um, which was good. I think I think uh, well at the time the record was eleven wins, I believe, in a season. So great season. We we're ten eight and one, and uh, but we finished I think eighth in our conference of ten. Our conference is a great conference. There's great coaches, great players in our conference, but eighth place. So that was that was humbling. Um, and as we, we, we started out the season seven and one or something and things were great and then got in the conference and just won a couple games and kind of floundered to the end. To me, to answer your question very clearly, it's about I have to maintain and keep and, and establish great expectations within our program. We expect to work hard. We expect to do this on set plays. We expect to do this in training. We expect to do this in the weight room and not accept things that are below that. And the moments and the, the months when we've struggled um, and, and going back to previous years when I was on the women's side at BYU and men's side for that matter, that's when you get in trouble. When you, when you get, when you start getting comfortable and you think, okay, we're, we're in good shape. These are great players that should be able to handle it on game day. And so you rest for a minute or you lower your expectation because you got a fancy player over here who's done all that. Maybe they do it a different way. And so you, you want to adapt. You want to, and then the team sees expectations for that player a little bit lower. And now, now the bar is a little bit lower for all of us and you start getting in some trouble. So for me, I think we've established a, a good culture. I think it's up to me and, and some great leaders. Uh, first of all, when I say me, our three assistant coaches here that are really, really good. And that, that's a huge part of it. So when I say me, I'm talking about the four of us, but um, within us and within a, you know, the leaders of our team, we have to hold ourselves, each other accountable. And, and, and uh, that's a big project for us because we do find moments where, ah, okay, it wasn't our best practice. And that happens. But when you start stringing two of them and three of them along, and yeah, maybe it's the spring and you don't have a game for a while, it's a problem. And the culture starts, starts fading a little bit and expectations start becoming lower and you get in trouble. So my job is to, is to maintain and, and maintain what we have and push where we can on level of expectation, uh, uh, in, you know, on the practice field and, and certainly on game day. Well, so, you know, talking about culture, environment, atmosphere, you know, different words for it. You mentioned you got to lead by example. You got to keep, um, hold the standards and you and your assistant coach got to try to meet those assistant coaches, meet those as often as possible. Is it also important to try to get the right people on the bus recruiting wise, trying to get the right players who fit, fit what you're trying to do? It is. It's really important and make, can make things, can cover up a lot of problems if you get the right, all the right players. Um, but, but separate from recruiting, let's, I, I think where you're going with that is the, the right attitudes and things. Certainly if we, if we could bring in Messi and clone him, we'd be in great shape. But short of that, we need to have the right attitude within our, within our program. Do we want to come to practice? 
do we want to work hard? Do we want to achieve and, and exceed expectations? One of the great things about coming to Gonzaga is expectations haven't been high. There's no, there's no, you know, there's no banners on the wall here. And so we have a chance to do that. Um, so that's been, that's been nice. That's been encouraging throughout to be able to exceed expectations, but it's, it's such a process that you lose track of it when you're on your road. Sometimes some days you just lose track or you start listening to, okay, we made progress. Maybe we can just not, yeah. not be as thorough as we could be. Well, yeah, complacency can set in, especially when you've been doing it for three, four years and you're raising the bar every year. And this is a hard question to answer, but I'm going to try anyway. Um, what do you need to do now to maintain that, not just maintain it, but keep it moving forward? You've already put obviously so many foundational pieces in place the first three years. How do you keep that moving forward now? Yeah, well, it's a great time for that question because we, you know, we just finished our season. We just played Pepperdine on Saturday. Here we are on a Tuesday and, and you know, that's what we're reassessing. Each of us as a coach have, have got to sit down and come up with a presentation over the next two weeks. Each of us has a day to present some real changes that we can do to make sure we're not the same team next year. Third place isn't, isn't satisfactory for us. We want to have a trophy. We've got a great table, a really nice table out in our kind of waiting room here, and it's, it's empty, and we talk about it all the time. We, we need a trophy on that table. Uh, how do we make sure we get that trophy and what, how do we identify and where do we go? I'm, I'm a little bit like you, Josh. I, I love sports science. I, I love the, the data that I get back from matching. It used to be match analysis. Now we get it from Instat. Mm -hmm. um, I love that data and I love being able to make changes that I can back up with data with our coaches and with our players when it's time to, to introduce it to them. So that's what I've got to do. Um, that'll be my project over the next week and a half to find areas where, where we can get better. And usually it's this nothing earth shattering. Um, a couple of years ago, as a small example, we, we piggybacked a little bit on what the Sounders sports scientists um, were doing. I was lucky enough to be in a little deal with them. And uh, they were trying to get to what they called the PAZ, the prime, prime assist zone. And there's this, this space on the end line, but not by the corner flag, in where you get into the box on the end line, 12 by um, 12, 12 by 12 box on the end line that kind of straddles the, uh, the 18 and the end line. And they found when they got there, they scored so many more goals than if they just shot from outside the box, just from shooting from the D. They scored more goals if they could just get the ball there first, everything else, um, goals, goals started coming. And their, their, their odds of scoring were so much greater if they got the ball into the PAZ before they took a shot. It's basically spreading out center backs, right? If you get a center back to step out a little bit, we can find some space into the space that they left. So, so we, we, we drove that home. Um, I, first of all, I had to completely understand it and how we can best get to that space. And that was our topic in 2019 and it worked. It really worked. And I would say as much as anything, it worked because it gave the players new ideas and a belief. We sold it well enough they believed in it. We probably could have sold something else that would have worked too. There's a lot of ways to skin the cat. Mm -hmm. But I think having something different, new ideas, I think really matter. And when you've been coaching as long as I have, and you know, Lexi's been with me now for four years, we have to start thinking outside the box in order to, to be a little different to so we can expect some different results next year. Well, I literally just saw Bernardo Silva cut it back to Phil Foden for a goal just like that. So uh, 
literally minutes before we came on here. So it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so fun that the data that they can, that they can mine now is incredible and then tie it to video. It's, it's really fun to learn and then to find, you know, I don't even know if the Sounders people felt as strongly about it as I did. Like I came out of there just fired up, like, yes, this fits within what our team can do. The strengths of our team, we can get to this space with some learning and some hopefully some good teaching. We have players to, to be able to get to that space and finish from that space. And so it made a ton of sense. And kind of lighting that fire with your team really worked for us. So there's a couple more questions before I let you go. Uh, there's going to be a day where you step away from Gonzaga for whatever reason. You're retiring, you know, God forbid it's time for them to move you on, whatever it might be. Yeah. How do you want people in and around the, the, the University of the Athletic program, the players, the other staff, uh, people that you, you, you have so many daily contacts with? If I bring up your name and say, hey, I know Chris Watkins, what do you want them to say or hope they will say about hmm. you? It's funny, I, I actually thought about this a few days ago <laughs> um, in a different setting, but uh, yeah. So I have a, I, I'm ready for my answer on that. How about that? Number one, I want people to, I want people to know that I cared about them um, and people who aren't outside my little circle of players and coaches and small group within the family may not know this about me, but I really care that about people, a small circle of people. And I want those people to know that and remember it. So a broad spectrum may not know that, but they would say, man, this players really liked them. That, that really matters to me probably more than it should. Number two, and I, I got the greatest compliment, um, at least as far as, as far as being a coach um, can be. Uh, and it was after a game and one of our girls was talking to the girl on the other team. Uh, about our about our team and she said um he, he just knows how to win our team knows how to win and i thought that's a that, that feels good it felt good to hear as a coach now that's a fleeting thing we talked about my season that was 215 and one but i thought uh, that is something that i've been good at through my life I, I, just random teams that i've been on football and very little american football but soccer and tons of basketball teams and baseball teams that I played on through my life. I feel like I've won the vast majority of the games that I've been in. And I have a little bit to do with that. Um, and I feel like my overall lifetime winning percentage is pretty darn good. And I think, I think it's a, something that I'm pretty good at being able to figure out how to make, make um, things happen to win. And as I'm older now, I certainly don't play uh, anymore, but uh, hopefully I've been able to pass it on to the players time around. Well, in your life, in your career, or just personal life, have there any, been any words or advice given to you that you still kind of carry with you? It's important to you that maybe you lean on during challenging times or uh, in, in difficult situations or something you just, you just like to kind of repeat to yourself or you pass forward to other people? Yeah. Two things come to mind. You kind of alluded to the energy bus a little bit uh, before. That's, that's, I probably read that four years ago. We had our, yeah, four years ago was here at Gonzaga. Um, and we had our whole team read it. That, that's important to me because I can easily go to the negative side really easily. And as a head coach, you can easily get people on your bus if you want to be negative too. Plenty of people will join you. And uh, so I have to remind myself where I want my bus to go and what it takes to get there. 
Um, so that's, that's been probably in the short term, that's been really important to me. On tougher days, I, I have to, because I kind of, like a lot of us coaches, I, I want people to like me probably more than I should. There was a guy named Chuck Clegg. He was the longtime coach at San Diego State. Um, he hasn't, he's been out of coaching for 15 years now, but when I was a young coach, he was on the region ODP staff and I'm a young ODP coach and, and I'm talking to him one night, you know, how those ODP things go or went years ago, you, all those coaches things, you're up way too late. I'm talking to Chuck Clegg and he said, he said, you know what, if I don't have 11 players who like me, I'm probably doing something wrong. But if the, the 11 behind them don't think something's wrong with me, then I recruited the wrong 11, mm-hmm. meaning those 11 players need to be hungry to be in the game. And it's okay that they don't like you. It's okay that you're not their favorite player and, and you gotta be okay with that, that, that they're competitive enough that, they, that they're not satisfied with being a sub or being on the bench or being left home from the, from the trip. That, that, that you need to be okay with that. You, gotta, you still gotta do your job and develop players, but you've gotta learn to live with that. And on my toughest days, it's usually when, when I'm having a tough time with a player, I, I try to remember that, that that's okay. They're competitive, they want to, they're, they're trying to protect their ego sometimes. They're, or generally, they, we just don't see eye to eye and maybe they don't like me, um, but that has to be okay in order for the, the greater good or the, the team to, to move forward. No, that's great. Last, last question for you before I let you go. Um, my favorite question or uh, opportunity for you is just to raise somebody up, to give somebody some credit for who they are, what they've done, not necessarily an accomplishment, more just how they act as a human being on a daily basis, how they do their job, how they treat people. Um, could be anybody, people you work with, people outside of work, uh, one person, two people, whatever you need. Uh, this is your chance just to, to raise them up a little bit. What a great question. <laughs> That's a great question. Thanks for asking that. I, I'm lucky I'm surrounded by a lot of good people. Gonzaga is a unique place in that there's people are here and they stay a long time. Um, and a lot of them could go other places, but they just want to be here. So um, I'm, a, I'm around a lot of really good people within this department, but um, uh, Lexi, Lexi Brown's been with me for four years. She's an outstanding coach and she'll be a head coach someday and be way better than me. And uh, it's fun to be around um, as, as she's growing and learning as a coach. And sometimes I think I'm holding back a little bit, holding her back a little bit. But um, Katie, too, our other assistant, I'm surrounded by really good people. Our trainer has these great relationships with our, with our players. Um, so in a, lot of, in a lot of ways, I'm really a, a function of the great people around our program that have raised our program to new levels. Um, and I just happen to be sitting in, in a visible seat on this bus. So it, it's a great place to be. Um, I had great experiences, Jen Rockwood at, at BYU, who was a, a great coach and a great organizer of people and motivator of people, but put together groups in, in great ways and knew how to motivate them and keep them on her bus. So I'm really lucky to have been around a lot of good examples um, within this soccer world and uh, really lucky that way. Um, so yeah, thanks for that for that chance. I think uh, you know my time, my time will come to be done someday. But I've got I've got a lot of people I can watch when I get done, and I'll take take a little bit of credit in their development. Uh, of course. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Um, the lucky thing for you is 
you know, this, you know, COVID's caused a lot of issues, but I, I've talked to another friend, you get to do it again in like a couple months. <laughs> yeah. That's the great thing about college soccer during the COVID year is you just finished, you take a little break and you get a roll again. So that, that's really exciting. Um, hopefully once the restrictions relax a little bit, I'm definitely going to be bugging you so I can come watch your team's train. Uh, I, I, I'm going to make sure once a month, at least I'm asking you if that's okay. So I appreciate you coming on. I love talking to you. I appreciate your honesty and good luck with everything, Chris. Josh, thanks. We're really lucky to have you in our community. I'd love to pick your brain. You, really, I should be interviewing you on this. Uh, your depth of knowledge is is so deep in an area that I'm really interested in and uh, act like to act like I know something, but uh, I'd love to uh, have the chance to turn the tables on this sometime soon. Thanks, Chris. Good luck with everything. Okay, thanks. Thanks again for taking the time to listen. I really do hope this podcast was able to help you in any way, even if small. If you really enjoyed it, please share with anybody, family, friends, throw it on one of your social media streams. Uh, it always helps to spread the word. Thanks again.